Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Right now, let's talk about yet another uh, COVID-19 vaccine candidate that has been paused. A late-stage study of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine candidate has been paused while the company investigates whether a study's participants' unexplained illness is related to the shot. The company said in a statement last night, illnesses, accidents, and other so-called adverse events are an expected part of any clinical study, especially large studies, but its physicians and a safety monitoring panel would try to determine what might have caused the illness. Joining us now to talk about this and other COVID stuff, Dr. Craig Jenny, Associate Prof, Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Disease at the University of Calgary. Dr. Jenny, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for uh, joining us. Um, is this a big deal? Uh, the, the statement from the company says this is not uncommon. I guess the difference, though, is we've got a pandemic and, and we're uh, you know betting on at least one or more of these vaccines coming through and coming through quickly. Yeah, I would agree that this is not uncommon, and as you point out, probably not optimal timing when when we're all really hoping and anticipating getting a vaccine approved soon. But as pointed out, when you're doing a large-scale study, 30,000 patients in Phase 3, I believe, for this particular study, the odds of somebody having an adverse reaction are, are, you know, reasonable. And I think really the good news here, if, if... we can spin it into good news is the safety protocols are working this this person was identified and the trial was properly stopped until we can figure out exactly what happened yeah because there's been some concern that maybe safety protocols won't be followed it appears as though they are at least in in this and the other uh, vaccine candidate uh, that's sort of been uh, put on hold but do you also worry that news like this when there is a vaccine available that they say you know science says is safe and that we should be taking do you worry that stories like this might cause some people not to take it yes absolutely and and again that's where i do find some confidence in this that instead of pushing through instead of ignoring anything uh you know proper science is being done that the safety of the patients is being considered and then we can have confidence at the end of the day if one of these vaccines is approved it it has met the safety standards it has cleared all of these hurdles um right now we don't we have no idea exactly what went wrong this may have been for example, a drug interaction and something that's easily avoidable going forward. It may be a reaction that's completely unrelated to the vaccine. Um, so this is why we stop. This is why people, you know, t- uh, take an assessment of the situation and, and figure out whether it is safe to proceed. And uh, ideally, if, if it was something to do with the vaccine, identifying what went wrong and, and which patients uh, might have to avoid this vaccine. What's your best guess on wh- when we might have a vaccine uh, that could be widely distributed. Are, are, are you a betting man? I don't know if you are or not. I, I'm trying to be optimistic with this one, which which most people that, that work in my lab uh, probably would find shocking. But um, I, I would say that we're probably looking mass public availability late spring uh, of 2021. Uh, I think we'll see something approved, for example, in the United States in the next month or so. Um, and then Canada is going to take a little bit more time. Canada is going to ask for a, a, its own proof of safety and efficacy before Health Canada approves it. 
and then once we're approved, we've got to you know basically grow up enough vaccine and distribute it across the country. So I think late spring, early summer, we'll see public vaccination, hopefully targeting um, uh, susceptible populations, maybe a little earlier, maybe maybe late winter. Um, we'll start to get it into long-term care facilities or frontline health workers. And is there a real worry uh, that not enough people will get vaccinated, and in, in whether we have a vaccine or not, if enough people don't get vaccinated, it's, it, it's really ineffective, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's, you know, our, our experience with, for example, the flu shot every year. Right. These are vaccines that, you know, I, I think we have to have realistic expectations of what a vaccine does, and, and many of these vaccines will not fully protect us from infection. What they do is they, they lessen the disease. So, you know, when we have the flu shot, people still get the flu, but we get about tenfold fewer people in hospitals. So that's critical. And I think the same will be true with COVID. It may not completely block it, but we're going to reduce the severity. So for the real efficacy, we need to ensure that enough people in the population have reduced sickness, reduced viral shedding, and that's what limits the viral spread. We've got 124 new cases in Manitoba today, 95 of those in Winnipeg. We've had eight people die here uh, since Thursday. Um, is this Winnipeg and Manitoba going through its own second wave, or is this just what we're seeing everywhere right now as the weather starts to change, do you think? Yeah, I think this. I think we're seeing, uh, unfortunately, evidence across the country of second wave appearing. Uh, you know, we're quite fortunate here in Calgary that cases for the last couple of weeks have dropped, but was not the case in Edmonton. Um, I think it will, uh, as you pointed out, as we get into winter, this may get worse. This may, not because the virus is any more dangerous or that we're any more infectable, but winter, you know, Canada, we all gather indoors. Uh, we get into groups and, and we are no longer physically distancing outside. So we're creating the right environment for this virus to keep spreading. Well, and I guess it's got a name, right? I didn't know this until last week, Twindemic. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're quick to put labels on everything. I, I'm not necessarily buying into uh, uh, the, the monikers, but we are concerned. Uh, we, we do know in Canada thousands of people are hospitalized every year for flu. Um, but, you know, we have to keep this in perspective. COVID is worse than the flu. We, we you know, on, on a tragic year, can lose five or 6,000 Canadians to the flu, more typically 1,500, 2,000. COVID is approaching 10,000 this week. So we, we have to be careful. We, we cannot let our guard down on either one of these infections. Is it frustrating, uh, you know, for a scientist like you, an expert in the field like you, uh, to know that if people would just physically distance, wash their hands, wear a mask, it's not a difficult uh, list of fundamentals, as our Dr. Rusin here in Manitoba would call them, is it frustrating for somebody like you uh, to not see people doing what they should be doing, simple things that they could do to turn the numbers, the COVID-19 virus around? Yeah, it, it is extremely frustrating. And yet, oddly enough, at the same time, it's understandable. Um, I mean, myself, my family, we have COVID fatigue. We're tired of this. But at the same time, I, I unfortunately get to know of cases at work where people are in the intensive care unit and and you realize the risk is real. And as much as we hate it, as much as I, I am would have killed to go to a, a CFL game this fall, um, it, it's a trade-off that, that we need to make if we want to keep our, you know, our, our neighbors alive in yeah. blunt terms. You know, we had on the weekend a man in his 40s uh, die from COVID-19, and Dr. Rusin told us today apparently no underlying health issues, man in his 40s, 
And then on the other end of the spectrum, we had a woman in her 100s who died. Imagine somebody living such a long life and then to lose it to the virus. Yeah, and these are the tip of the iceberg. We do believe, and we have evidence, that even people that recover may have long-term health problems. And even people we're seeing in the in the U.S., for example, younger people with inflammation of their heart and other organs. So we really don't fully understand the impact of this disease. And, and you know, fatality, it, it's tragic, but, but it may only reflect part of the disease burden we're going to face coming out of this. That's a really good point that sometimes gets forgotten in the conversation. Another story that I was reading is that some people are losing their hearing now in one ear because blood clots is a problem with COVID, and some of the smallest, uh, uh, I guess, veins or arteries or whatever uh, for blood are in the ears, and people are losing their hearing. So it's not just about losing your life, but as you point out, there are ongoing, long-lasting health issues that we aren't really fully aware of yet. No, absolutely. And we've known now for years that, for example, people admitted to an intensive care unit often have years of recovery, even just for mental health coming out of that, that there is a lasting impact. And, and these are all people we need to to, to be aware of it and, and help in our in our community and ideally uh, do our best to to prevent putting people into that situation. So keeping viral numbers down is the easiest way to do that. Not fun, but as you pointed out, this is not any crazy special technology. To so wear a mask, wash your hands, keep six feet apart. Dr. Craig Jenny, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Take care. Right now, from Alpha Technologies, Winnipeg's Alpha Technologies, it's Alan Castell. Al, good afternoon. Hey, Al. How are you doing? I'm great. I was saying at the start of the show today, teeing up the fact that you're coming on, uh, our uh, relationship goes way back to the early 90s at Mind Computer <laughs> Products. And I, I was saying then uh, that you, even back then, you were always kind of on the cutting edge of whatever was the next hot thing to come along in technology. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but I, I brought you on for a couple of reasons. The yeah. new iPhone is out today, 5G mm -hmm. iPhone. It doesn't make any sense to me that this 5G iPhone would be coming out today because we don't even have 5G yet. Well, you know what, Hal? There's a lot more than just that. And, and we have a couple of guys you know, here at Alpha that are our iPhone fans. And you know, it's not the majority, but they very much groomed me on, on all of the hot items. And there is definitely some things, especially for the photographers that are iPhone fans that work within that universe to look for in the pro models. I mean, there is... They're, they're looking like it's a beautiful device, and, and I'm not a typical fan of the product, but I will give credit yeah. where it's due. It, it does more than just the 5G, which will come here. So, you know, whether that 5G aspect, if you're buying for that, don't, obviously. But if you're buying because you're a version away, you know, I like to skip versions, and I tell most people to do that. Then, yeah. you know, there, there's some very incredible hardware. They're their new bionic chip. They've got a magnetic attachment uh, kind of a, they've got a, a relationship with some of the, the hardware manufacturers for attachments for your car, for example, for charging. And no, there's, mm. there's some, they made a change in this one. You know, it wasn't just a little bigger, you know, little different color. Yeah. No, they made some significant changes in this that are probably worth looking at. 
And you've you know, never heard I am, me say that before. <laughs> no, I know. And, and I know you're not necessarily a big fan of the iPhone. I, up until today, or yesterday, I guess, actually, was a fan of the iPhone until my, my iPhone continues to boot. We've all got our fingers crossed around here rebooting my iPhone, and hopefully I can recover everything. Um, but I, I got the 11, so I was in dire need. Otherwise, I probably would have waited for the 12, but I needed a phone bad. I got the 11, and the, the photos are much, much better. Like, if you're on a 7 or an 8, now get mm-hmm, the 12 mm-hmm. or even the 11 because the photo uh, the the camera on the phone is phenomenal and you know what is nice is we have this competition between the two major players and that being google and and you know apple and mm-hmm. and google is doing it with computational with brain power with chips with software with pro, you know with with prediction um, whereas Apple is, is the hardware is increasing their processors are becoming faster there. They've actually got optical zooms uh, in this as well as wide angle. So they've got three cameras and on the front end, like, you know, they're doing things in a way different than Google, but ultimately the two are competing for the same space. And it's really nice to see. That's interesting. I didn't realize that it was sort of, yeah. they're both kind of trying to get the same thing done, but doing it differently. And, and you like Google's approach better than Apple's? I think that Google's can be upgraded. You can't really upgrade the hardware on a phone. So what you buy mm. is what you've got hardware-wise. You know, you can modify certain things and that, but the physical hardware, I guess, jump, um, if you've got a company focusing R&D, and, and I think Google's proven this, I took pictures and you saw some of them of the Milky Way, you know, from your you know your area in Canada yeah. that were mind-blowing. And I showed guys who are guys who take pictures with, tele- with telescopes who are, wow, and I'm like, yeah, this is the group of pictures of the comet that I took this year were a lot of them done with my phone. And mm-hmm. that in itself, I've watched that progression and how they've used hardware and software to make things better. And Apple is playing catch up in that space. And they may have jumped the gun, but with the next five, you know, Google's got a new phone coming. I get mine in November and, you know, we'll see where the battle goes. But it's great for all consumers right now. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, though, that Apple is on the hardware side because they want to sell you new phones all the time. Or it seems like sure that's, their, that's their focus. And, and I guess maybe that works for them, eh? Well, they keep you in their universe, and you know, if if there's one thing I don't like, is I think that you know, being stuck in a in a certain universe due to your choice of phone, I don't really want. You know, with the Google side, you can pick lots of different phones based on your taste. You want a better camera, or you want a faster game phone, whatever it may be, but you're not stuck in a universe that you're obligated to if you lose your phone. I mean, what you're going through right now, I've never had to help, and mm-hmm. you know, whether that's a testament to Google's method of doing it or not, or my way of working, I don't know, but. I will say that, you know, we don't ever have people on, you know, that lose their stuff. And I, and I yeah. hope you get everything back as I can hear the worry in your voice. <laughs> I hope so too. And I this is the first time it's happened that. for me too. Like I, and I am, mm-hmm. I am a more recent Apple guy in the last four or five years. I came over to Apple because Jackie was there and she loved it so much. And I saw what she was able to do. And then I came over and this is the first time I've ever had to, uh, uh you know, to go through this. So I hope it doesn't happen very often. I also wanted to have oh, you I, on today to ooh. talk about, uh, go ahead, Al, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I mean, but your your wife, knowing her, she's very artistic, and it tends to flow that way as my web designers and that are here. They're the yep. artistic side of the company, and they tend to flow to that because there's a nice flow of traffic between other devices as well that they work on. So I do understand why Jackie may love it, but just for me personally, I'm a little more mm-hmm. mathy than I am, you know, drawing uh, or an artistic guy. So I, I prefer the other side. So, But it's whatever makes you more enabled, right? True. 
Yeah. Yep. And I wanted to have you on today to talk about Amazon Prime Day, which is actually today and tomorrow. It's kind mm-hmm. of the unofficial start to the holiday shopping season, both yeah. online and, and brick and mortar too. But the reason I wanted to have you on to talk about this is I think a lot more people are buying online, shopping online because mm-hmm. of COVID-19. I think some people really like it. I think other people can't wait till they can walk, you know, feel more comfortable walking in a store again. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, is it always safe to shop online or, or what are some things we need to keep in mind? Maybe there's people out there that haven't done as much of it and they're thinking, yeah, I kind of have to go that way as, as numbers for coronavirus spike in, in Winnipeg and, and Manitoba. What's your best advice on shopping online? Best advice, and and this applies to people, and I see it in how people maybe handle their bank cards, you know, something that's a physical thing. Those people tend to be the same way when they shop online. And I'll say, you know, floppy. You you know, I I cover up and I make sure that when I put my pin in, I I take a look around. I don't know about you, but I do. I don't just hold out the the dial pad and pump my pin in for something or or tap blindly. So I think you have to adopt the same pattern. You know, a great suggestion, and I started to do a lot more, is because I trust Google's universe, for example, a lot of my high-level passwords, I let them pick them. Um, I'm, I'm not thinking that anybody's going to get through some of those encrypted passwords or those big passwords that you see that Google suggests, but because it handles a lot of that for you, you don't have to worry about remembering it. And so I'm, I'm, you know, one of my, I've started to follow this is stop, you know, trying to make sure you have a password that you can remember, because if you do, a computer can break that thing pretty fast. So you have to adopt some method of, and in my case, I have a master password that is a big one that is, you know, on my phone behind a a bunch of different protections, but that one opens up the door to all the other Google ones, for example. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have that for Amazon, make sure your Amazon password and your Amazon habits are, are good ones. Because you're right, you can take full advantage of it, it's great, but you sure do not want to have somebody else that's taking advantage of it for you. You So that's, you know, my biggest advice is you make sure you protect, especially that password and username. Have it going to a place. Turn on the protections that if there's unusual activity that you want to know. You know, check into their security pages when you go on there if you're somebody who's not sure. And as a user of Amazon for probably since Prime came out, Hal, I can say I've not had one issue. But whether that was due to my habits or due to Amazon itself, I don't know. I just know the end result is I've not had an issue. So, you know. And and I'll just and I'll just say this, you know, for because listen, I, I get it. Even Jackie's, uh, you know, on on Amazon today checking out some of the deals for Amazon uh, Prime Day, and and I get it. And a lot of people are shopping online because it's safer. But I'll say this: I had a conversation with Chuck Davidson, the CEO and president of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, uh, last week, and uh, a lot of local. You may say, well, you know, COVID numbers are high. I don't want to go shopping locally. You can, in many cases shop locally because a lot of the stores that you shop at are also online they have an online presence so you can still Mm -hmm. buy local shop local online and do it safely even in in the middle of a pandemic so i don't want it to seem like oh you've got to go and shop with amazon you don't have to you know what hell i have a great story that actually i just did before this call so what i did is i drove my you know this may be a preface but i drove home after a meeting i had where i had to go to the other end of the city so i could swap over to that kind of a new vehicle that I'm riding around on. And I stopped at the local neighborhood grocery store here in St. James, or not grocery store, the drug, the pharmacy. And I kind of went in and put my mask on and I spoke to the owner and I said, you know, I'm always picking stuff up for my mom and taking it across the city to drop it off for her. Is there a way that we can arrange where I can just email you guys what she needs and, you know, and you can have my credit card information. And then that way I can just use technology to more or less shoot an email and then you guys can take care of it versus this way. And they're like, absolutely. So, 
if you check with your local stores, even if they don't have a full-on web presence or the ability to do transactions in a, you know, and we're caught off guard, you still can find a way to do things in a very easy way, Hal. And I just did it today, and it's going to save me a ton of time. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, even if they don't have a website, even if you can't do yeah, the whole online thing, give them a call. Maybe they're, you yeah, know, they're willing to work with you and, and figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How do I work with you in this time? You know, uh, what way works? I know you don't have a website and you probably weren't ready, but is there a way? Should I phone it in? But there's, there's a way, you know, it may not be the most technological, you know, skip the dishes type of a way, but there mm-hmm. may be a way. And in these times, I find maybe the, the little extra mile for the people in the local neighborhood and the small businesses. To me, that's important being one of them myself. Yeah. And finally, before I let you go, as I was saying to you and said earlier in the show, you are always on whatever the latest (laughs) blank is. And you sent me some pictures on the weekend. You were up in the mountains. What the heck is that thing you were riding? Okay, so, you know, as you know, I'm bringing in these micro-mobility devices for, uh, you know, an opening of a new part of this store in the spring, and, and you yep. know, you're privy to that before others, but, you know, it's hard to keep this stuff back. So the device is called a one-wheel, and my son kind of first shot something over to me about it and said, Dad, can you look at this? Because he saw I was bringing in the scooters and the Segway stuff. And I, I, it took me four attempts to get through to the company because of how popular they are just to even get a chance to talk to them. So what I did is I brought in a bunch of them, and so I had for two weeks now I've had the chance to have one. So I drove out during Thanksgiving and dropped my wife off at, you know, in her hometown of Swift Current and then continued on into my friends that I, I stay when I'm skiing. I told him about these. He first got on one on Friday. And, Hal, I'll show you a video when we sit down at some point of, of by Sunday. We were going through trails. We were doing 30 to 40 kilometers of trails on this device that it's, it's basically one big wheel, like in the middle of a skateboard. Think of yeah, I was going to say, it looks wheel. almost like a, bi- a big skateboard with a big wheel right in the middle. And the wheel's in the middle, and so the circuitry and the battery, it's electronic. I mean, they're not a cheap device. The big ones, the trail-type ones, go for 2,600 Canadian, and the smaller ones are about 15. But they have a 32-kilometer speed that you could get to, if, and I don't even come close because you're too having too much fun just carving around. But you mm-hmm. can go on grass. You can go on gravel. We were going on trails and around tree roots. We were maneuvering on this thing, and you're on it. And what it does is the circuitry tries to keep you balanced. So when you lean forward a little bit, you go forward. You lean backwards, and you're standing on it like a skateboard. So by forward mm. and back, I mean side to side. You just shift your balance very subtly. My friend, by the by, within an hour, was comfortably going up and down his street and doing figure eights. By the end of the second day, we were both going down trails with GoPro strapped on to show some unbelievable video on the trails in the mountains. And, yeah, um, I, I take it to work and back now. I, I think it's just fantastic that I can leave my car at home and have an absolutely fun five to ten minute you know ride with a you know to work hmm. on on some bike trails and um yeah good for 30 kilometer range so you don't even have to charge it up you can you could literally go across the city house without even having to charge it and back hey so listen i'm out of i'm out, i'm out of time but we'll have you back on soon because we'll, we'll talk yeah. about these devices and these aren't just for kids i mean this one probably no. is for somebody younger but some of these no, this, uh, is this is adult you got to be 16 and up on this one there's a weight you need to be a little bit bigger than a kid so no it's it's actually more of an adult toy than a kid toy and I know you're bringing in some stuff and, and dealing in some stuff, too, that, you know, is is for uh, the seniors out there, too. And so, I, again, I, I don't have the time here, but we'll talk soon about it. Thanks, Al. You got it. You bet. Thanks, Al. Joining us now, Global News Senior Reporter Laurel, Laurel Gregory. Laurel, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are my Winnipeggers? Excellent. Thank you for jumping <laughs> on with us. Really appreciate it. Um, so there's a study out of the University of Calgary, here in Alberta, uh, University of Calgary, 
They looked at uh, depression and anxiety symptoms among pregnant individuals during the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's some interesting findings in there. Give us some highlights. Yeah, so so what they found was depression was at about 34%, anxiety about 49%, and this is about three to five times higher than what they'd see among pregnant women pre-COVID. So they found basically those first-time moms were more anxious and depressed than moms who had previously given birth. This this study is super interesting because they're tracking you know, close to 8,000 pregnant women from every province and territory across the country. It's incredibly representative, and they're looking at how the pandemic has um, both influenced mental health but also relationships, and that's specifically what we're focusing on today. Yeah, so talk about that. How has it affected couples? Sure. So um, they asked the expectant parents um, how it affected their relationship with their spouse, and almost 50% of the pregnant women said that it actually They saw an improvement in their relationship during this COVID-19 pandemic. About 3% said that it had quite a strained uh, effect on their relationship. And the researcher I spoke with believes that that could be uh, the result of some external factors that are influencing Canadians right now. So job loss, finances, those are two things that in general can impact how a relationship goes or how a marriage is. And so they believe that that may have a, had an effect on that. Um, 17% of these expectant parents said that they, there was a bit of a decline in their relationship and about 33% there was no change. So it's really interesting. They, another factor that I thought was really interesting, 55% of parents say the pandemic has brought them closer with their children. I thought mm. that was interesting because you know, we we know families in the early t- part of the pandemic were on top of each other. During that period of time when the Prime Minister of Canada is telling people to stay home, that had a, a huge effect on the family dynamics. I can speak to that personally. It was, sure. it was a tough a tough time, when, especially when you have really little kids. So I think the fact that, you know, in spite of that, having to work from home, having to navigate, navigate homeschooling or home education and all these other things and not having the support of, ex, you know, extended family, I found that really interesting that, you know, 55% of parents felt closer to their kids. You know, uh, and, and I don't have, I just had my wife on the show, couldn't have done that if I were doing the show at the station and not here at the home <laughs> studio, uh, but just have my, my wife on. And, and you know what? Yeah, I and it's sort of like the finances around COVID-19, right? Some people are saying, I got more money now than I ever had, and some people are really struggling to the point where, uh, you know, it's, it's almost dire. And I think yes. it depends on the individual, or in this case, the couple, and how it impacts. Because I, I really believe that my wife and I, and I, I thought we had a pretty good relationship before, very happy, love love each other. I think we've grown stronger now. Early on in the pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> there were some there were some dicey days. Um, yes. I think more for her as she got used to having me around more. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, but seriously, you know, I, I, I can understand how it will bring couples and, as you point out, families closer together. Yeah, I think it's, it's very much a pressure cooker situation. And for some couples, this will make or break them. This will make or break that relationship because, I mean, we were hearing, hearing that anecdotally. There were, you know, it, it's not funny to joke about, but there were jokes coming out that in Wuhan, China, that early on in the pandemic for us, that they were going to see it skyrocketing divorce rates because of that lockdown effect. And I think that mm. that is a real scenario for some Canadian couples. Again, speaking from my own experience, we don't have extended family in Alberta. It's my husband and it's me. And we've got two little boys under the age of five. And I think for us, 
it has really brought us closer together because we're it. When yeah. he's tapped out and ready to flip his lid, I swoop in with the kids because someone has to. And you know each other better and you have to rely on each other because you're all you're all you have. So yeah. I think that for some families it's had that effect, which which is nice. And I think, you know, the older generations who have been through the Depression, the Second World War, um, you know, various economic stripes of, the, you know, the 80s that we saw, all of these different, different um, challenges in life, whether you overcome that obstacle together or if that obstacle overcomes you, that's what's going to really pan out as a result of this pandemic. And I'll just say this, Laurel, and I've said this to people, uh, you know, here at Chorus, uh, at our stations here in Winnipeg, that have been at home, continued to work, they're doing all the Zoom calls, they're doing shows, they're doing meetings from home and taking care of the kids. We do not have kids. We have a dog. That's kind of our kid. And, <laughs> yeah. and I can't imagine how you and your husband, a couple like you, you and your husband do what you do and two kids on top of yeah. it all. I, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it's a really big challenge, and I think the particular, so it was our, our seventh anniversary yesterday, and I, I was laughing because friends and family were saying, so what are you doing? And I was like, well, nothing. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not safe. It doesn't feel safe right now to get a babysitter, and, um, you know, it, doesn't, it wouldn't feel safe to have family fly in to, to be those caregivers. So that's where you're at. And I, and I think that a lot of families are in the same boat. And there are families with children who have special needs and a lot of their yeah. supports have fallen by the wayside. There are families with, you know, I know one mom, she's a rural mom, her husband's a farmer, and she has four boys, four wow. children. They're under the age of nine. So we all come at this from different, different challenges. And I think it's just, I, I find it nice to hear that, you know, more than 50% are you know, feeling closer as a result of it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Laurel, happy anniversary. Happy belated Thank anniversary. You. And thanks for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.